Today will be the conclusion of our little mini-series through the book of John, looking at some of the miracles that Jesus did. And today we will conclude in John chapter 21. In John chapter 21, we'll start with verse 1. And we'll go all the way through verse 14. John 21, 1 through 14. You know, while I was sitting here admiring all these pretty Christmas decorations, and thanks again to all those who, who did that, you know, it is pretty good. We, we got a few decorations up at our house, and I'll be honest, I'm not, I'm not really big on decorating for Christmas. I mean, I don't have anything against it. I just, it's a lot of work, and I don't really care, but I, I'm going to be honest. We, we got some stuff up, and it does kind of make you feel warm and fuzzy to see all this good stuff. It makes you feel good. It's something about this, this season, and when you see decorations, it, it just kind of makes me feel happy. But, you know, I was thinking that, you know, we celebrate Jesus, and, and Jesus is year-round, and Jesus should make us feel happy all the time. We should be, we should be warm and cheerful and happy uh, when we think about Jesus, and not just at Christmas time and not just when decorations are up, but, but any time that we think about Jesus. And maybe, maybe we don't have that feeling because maybe we don't think about Jesus enough. Maybe in the, in the midst of our busy and hectic and stressful lives, uh, maybe there are times, at least in my life it is, and maybe yours too, that that we just don't, we don't think about Jesus enough and we don't thank Jesus enough for coming and for being our Lord and Savior. So uh, I encourage you to try to do that this, this season. I know that it is so busy because like you get to decorate and then you gotta, you gotta buy presents and you gotta figure out going here then, there then and gotta make all this food and it's, it's a lot, like it's, it's tough, it's, it's fun. I enjoy all those things but, but it really uh, kind of helps us to understand what our life's like all the time. And really, it's like that year-round. And, and it distracts us from Jesus at this time of year, and sometimes it distracts us from Jesus throughout the whole year. So uh, during this season, let's try to focus on the Lord and be uh, grateful for, for what Jesus did. And that's, that's why we set aside this day and this time is for Jesus. And so uh, let's not forget that. John chapter 21. John chapter 21. We've seen Jesus do uh, a lot of miracles to this point. We have seen... Jesus turned water into wine. We've seen Jesus heal people who were sick. We've seen him return sight to those who were blind. We've seen Jesus make the lame be able to walk. We've seen Jesus uh, raise people from the dead. I mean, we've seen Jesus take, take a few fish and a few loaves and, and feed thousands of people. And the miracles that we've covered give us a vast idea of, of this, and that is Jesus can do anything. There is nothing too small or there is nothing too big that Jesus cannot handle. Whether it involves a person that he's with, a person a hundred miles away, or whether it involves thousands of people, there is nothing that is too big for Jesus to handle. And so I hope that, that you guys have been blessed by, by looking through these different miracles that Jesus did. But we've got one more that we're going to look at uh, today. I'll read through the text and then we'll talk about it. John 21, verse 1. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Now, after this, we're, we're talking after Jesus has died. Now, Jesus has already been crucified on the cross. He had been in the grave for three days, and he has been resurrected. And upon being resurrected, before Jesus ascended to heaven, we see a couple of instances where he appears to different people and where he appears to his disciples. And 
Here we see after Jesus had died and been resurrected, before he ascended to heaven, Jesus is going to appear his, to his disciples again here in this instance. Simon Peter, Thomas called twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and two other of his disciples were together. I'm going fishing, Simon Peter said to, to them. We're coming with you, they told him. They went out and got into the boat. But that night they, were, they caught nothing. When daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore. However, the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Men, Jesus called to them, You don't have any fish, do you? No, they answered. Cast the net on the right side of the boat, he told them, and you'll find some. So they did, and they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. Therefore the disciple the one Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer garment around him, for he was stripped, and plunged into the sea. But since they were not far from the land, about a hundred yards away, the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire, fire there with fish lying on it and bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus told them. So Simon Peter got up and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Come and have breakfast, Jesus told them. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples and he was raised after he was raised from the dead. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this word and I pray that this text would be beneficial for your people today, dear Lord. It'd be beneficial for each of us that hear it. And I pray that you would help it to, to, to apply to our life, God. Your scripture does, but help us to see the areas maybe that it applies. God, it may be an area that, that I don't even speak on, but let the Holy Spirit reveal whatever needs to be revealed through your word to whoever needs to hear whatever they need to hear today, dear Lord God. But help me to be led by the Spirit today and preach boldly your word. Help it to be, help it to be a good word, dear Lord, as your word always is. Hide me behind the cross so that you may be glorified today, God, and that people will see you through the reading of your word. And God, for those who may be here that don't know Jesus, that haven't experienced the miracle that He is, that maybe through this today, God, that they would hear something, that the Holy Spirit would tug on their heart, that they would come to accept Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. So the scene is set. Jesus had done all these miracles. His disciples had seen Him do countless miracles on their life. And Jesus had told them that He was going to die, that He was going to be resurrected. But even in the midst of that, as we read through uh, these gospel accounts, it appears that, that maybe the disciples were in shock, or maybe there was doubt, or maybe there were a lot of questions and they weren't sure what's going on. But it appears that they're, they're not quite sure exactly what to do. And here we have the disciples, and we have a few of them, not all the ones who, who remain. Uh, Judas obviously had, had killed himself after betraying Jesus, but the ones who remained, we have uh, some of them here. And Simon Peter, now Peter was the bold one. We, we hear lots of stories about Peter. Peter was always quick to stand up, and, and he was pretty bold, and he sometimes might have kept, should have kept his mouth shut when he, when, he, when he didn't. But here we see Peter, and he says, Look, I'm going fishing. Can you imagine all that they had had to experience up until this point? I mean, 
It wasn't just a simple thing for them to say, I'm a follower of Jesus. That was a, that was a big deal. That, that meant their life was hanging in the balance. After all, Jesus, whom they followed, they had just watched all these people who had crucified and killed him. Even Peter himself, when they come to him and said, Hey, wait a minute. I saw you with that guy. You're one of his disciples. Peter said, No. They didn't want to acknowledge that they were a disciple of Jesus because that was a big deal. It was a serious thing to admit that you are a follower of Jesus. These were hostile times that the disciples were probably having to go through. And so Peter says, I'm going fishing. Now, I don't know why Peter was going fishing. It might have been that Peter was going fishing for the same reason that you and I go fishing. Perhaps Peter said, you know what? I'm stressed. I like to fish. It's what I used to do before Jesus called me, and I need a break, and I'm just going out on the lake, and I'm just going to fish. That could have been what Peter was doing. It's not unlikely and reasonable to think that Peter may have had that idea. It could have been that Peter said, look, I'm going fishing. Maybe Peter, what he was saying was, you know what? I gave everything to follow Jesus, and now Jesus has been killed. I don't know what to do. The only thing I know how to do is to be a fisherman. And I'm just going to go back to what I was doing. I tend to lean toward that second one that I said. I, I think that that might have been the heart of, 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 of Peter in doing this, but maybe not. The text doesn't tell us. But it does say that Peter and the rest of the disciples, when Peter said, I'm going fishing, they said, I am going with you. Perhaps there was a little doubt. He wasn't sure. Maybe he didn't quite have the faith or the trust that he should have had in Jesus. And he said, you know what? It's not worth it. We tried. We followed Jesus. And there's nothing else to do. So I'm going back to my old ways. I think both of those things are good for us. I think that there are times as Christians that we need to go and relax. If that's what Peter was doing and the rest of the disciples, if that's what they were doing to say, look, we've been through a hard time. It's tough. We just need some time to clear our mind and do something relaxing. That's true for us too. There are times in life that, that you need to stop and take a break. There are times in life that maybe due to the stresses of the world and your work and all these things that take place and come, rest is a good thing. Rest is something that God intends for us to do. And maybe some of you need to rest. You need to just take a physical rest. You need to take a rest in the Lord and say, I just need a break. And let God kind of heal you and restore you. There may be some of you who are like Peter, if the second is true, and that is that he wasn't sure what to do and he went back to his old ways. Do we ever do that? Do we ever in our hard times and struggles that we go through take our eyes off of the Lord and forget what Jesus said, the words that we read in the text that were true to those people and good for those people and good for us? Do we ever sometimes in the midst of our stresses and struggles and tragedies and things that we go through, we, we begin to forget what the Lord said and begin to turn back to our old ways that used to bring us comfort, our old ways that used to uh, give us fulfillment? I think we do. At least I know I do. It's easy for us sometimes to forget the words that Jesus said and seek other things to find comfort, other things to give us security. But that's not what God calls us to do. Jesus had already called the disciples. He had already called Peter. And he had called Peter to be a fisher of men, not a fisher of fish in the sea. And Peter and their other disciples, it seemed like at least for a moment here, we're going back to the old ways. That is, they were not following what Jesus had called them to do. 
We're coming with you, they told him. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. So here they were fishing at night. And some, of us, some of you may be thinking, well, it's odd to fish at night. Typically, we don't see people fishing at night, but there was probably a reason for that due to the way things were back then. It's not like they had big freezers and coolers that they could keep the fish in. They had markets people would go to in the morning, and it was very likely that people would be going in the morning to get fish. And if you wanted fresh fish, it would make sense for the fishermen of the day to go and fish at night so that they could catch fish, bring them straight to the market in the morning. And when the people would come, they would have fish. So that's probably why the disciples were fishing at night here. I don't know that it was anything crazy going on there. Uh, when daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore. However, the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Now that's an interesting text. I don't, I don't know how Jesus had disguised himself, if we, can, if we can call it that. Obviously, there was something that was different about his appearance that they didn't recognize. I mean, they were with Jesus for almost three years. So you think they would have known Jesus when they saw him, but for whatever reason, maybe God through the Holy Spirit had kind of blinded their eyes and their minds so that they couldn't see exactly who Jesus is. I'm not talking about physical blindness. I'm just talking about he had made it for whatever reason so they wouldn't know. Maybe Jesus had a different physical appearance. The Bible doesn't tell us that, but we do know that they didn't recognize who Jesus was. So they had been fishing all night. Morning came, and they were had caught nothing. They hadn't caught a single fish. If they were trying to go there for relaxation to, to cure stress, it probably would have helped if they had caught a fish, but they didn't. And so as fishermen, they probably were disappointed. We don't know that. They, they, they had been there all night. They hadn't caught a fish. And here was Jesus from the shore, and he was looking out, and he was seeing what was going on with the disciples. Men, Jesus called to them, you don't have any fish, do you? Now Jesus already knew they didn't have any fish. Jesus knows everything. He knew that they had been fishing all night and didn't have fish. But they said, look, no, they answered. And Jesus tells them to do something. He says, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Now that, that, that may seem like a crazy thing to some of you. I mean, you think they're probably not in a huge boat. And you're talking, what, 10 or 12 feet from one side to the other? And they had been fishing all the night. And Jesus said, look, you need to try the other side. Now, maybe some of you fishermen, I mean, maybe that's true. Is that true that you catch fish sometime out of one side of the boat and not on the other? Is that a, is that a true thing? Is that, is, that, is that likely? So maybe they didn't find it odd when Jesus said, cast your net on the other side of the boat. But if they'd been fishing all night, they probably were kind of saying, come on. We've been fishing all night. There aren't any fish out here. But I think what Jesus was trying to do was call their attention back to an earlier event. We see a very similar event in Luke chapter 5. At the beginning of the ministry when Jesus called them, he did the same thing. They were fishing, they hadn't caught anything. Jesus said, throw your net on the other side of the boat. And it said that they just caught a ton of fish. So many fish that the nets begin to tear. We see that early on when Jesus is calling these disciples to come to him. And I think what Jesus was doing is I think he was giving them a clue. I think he was recalling something that they would have been familiar with to let them know who he was and what exactly was going on, and more importantly, that he was still in control. That even though they had watched him die on the cross, even though he had been crucified, even though they knew that he was resurrected, I think that Jesus was reminding them that I'm still in control. I still got this. He says, cast the net on the right side of the boat, he told them, and you'll find some. So they did, and they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. 
Well, can you imagine? You've been fishing all night and ain't got a bite. Ain't caught a single fish. And all of a sudden, you just throw your net over on the other side of the boat and you can't even pick it into the boat. There are so many fish. You know, when Jesus provides, He provides. Like, Jesus doesn't have to do anything. Like, when Jesus does it, he does it right. He does it so much bigger than anything we could have ever imagined. They probably would have been happy if they had caught 50 fish. You know how many fish they caught? 153 fish. That's a pretty, that's a pretty interesting detail. I think that, that helps, helps us to, it lends to the fact to help us know, look, the Bible is real. That's a pretty intricate detail to the story that, that John wrote for us here in this account. They caught so many fish, they couldn't even get the net back over into the boat. Therefore, the disciple, the one Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. Whatever Jesus looked like, for whatever reason, they didn't notice him. But that instant that Jesus did this miracle, the instant that Jesus told them to cast their net, and their net was filled with 153 fish, in that instant they realized that Jesus was there and it was him who was doing a mighty work. Can you imagine how exciting that must be? That had to be a pretty exciting time. I mean, they had seen Jesus do all kind of miracles throughout. But can you imagine? They had done, seen Jesus be crucified, and here he was. He was back, and he's, he's right back where he started with them. He's telling them to catch fish, and they're hauling them in. Can you imagine the excitement that must have been in their minds and in their hearts when that instant came? The Bible tells us exactly how excited they were. It says, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer garment around, for he was stripped, and he plunged into the sea. Peter was excited. Peter had done deny Jesus. Peter was probably feeling heartbroken. That might have been why Jesus was going, or excuse me, why Peter was going back fishing. He might have felt like the Lord didn't want to use him anymore. He had done denied Jesus. Maybe he was feeling guilty and ashamed, and he felt like that's all he could do. And now, in this instant, there is Jesus. The one that he loved, the one that he was so ashamed and sad because he had denied, there was Jesus standing on the shore. And when Peter saw and realized and heard, it is the Lord. It said he tied his outer garment around him because he was stripped. I don't know what that means, y'all. I don't know if Peter was fishing naked. Maybe he was. That seems weird. Maybe it just means that he was stripped down to his undergarments. But whatever it was, <coughs> Peter said, look, I'm going to see him. He put on his outer garments, and he didn't wait for the boat to get there. He jumped in the sea. And off he went swimming to Jesus. Now that's pretty exciting right there. He was so excited for Jesus, he dropped everything he was doing and could not wait to get to him. Now I want to ask you, when's the last time that you got that excited for Jesus? When's the last time that you were so excited for Jesus that you couldn't wait to do the Lord's work, that you couldn't wait to go before the Lord in prayer, that you couldn't wait to sing praises for the Lord, that you couldn't wait to come into fellowship with other brothers and sisters and say, God, how can we serve together? That you were just chomping at the bits, ready just to burst at the seams to go out and do what God called you to do. When is the last time you have been that excited for Jesus? As a Christian, I would say that every one of us have been that excited at some point in time, at least when you've accepted Jesus into your heart and He's become your Savior and cleansed you of your sins. You should have felt that excitement at that time. And if you didn't, then you need to check because Jesus should bring an excitement in your life. You should be excited about the Lord. I know as Christians, 
sin still lingers on. We still get caught up in things. We still have to deal with all the things that come along in life. And sometimes we lose that joy that accompanies our salvation. Sometimes we lose that excitement for Jesus. Sometimes we're like Peter, and we've done wrong, and we feel guilty and ashamed. But what we need not forget is just as Jesus was there watching from a distance with Peter and the disciples, Jesus is watching us from a distance. And maybe we've sinned and we feel ashamed and guilty. And Jesus is there. And we just need to be like Peter. And we need to run to Him or swim to Him. We need to say, there's my Lord. I don't want to be here fishing. I don't want to be here living in my sin. I don't want to be here back in my old ways. I want to be where the Lord is. And we jump to where the Lord is. Maybe that's what we need to do. It said he swam to where the Lord was. Uh, but since they were not far from land, about a hundred yards, that's a long, I don't, that seems like far to me. It says in the text, they weren't far, that seems like a long way to be swimming, right? I mean, I can't swim, so of course that's a long way for me. But can you imagine that Peter was so excited that he swam about a hundred yards from the boat to where Jesus was? That's pretty intense right there. The other disciples came in the boat. They said, all right, we're just going to come in the boat. I guess they were all in the fishing, as we'll see later. Dragging the net full of fish. When they got on land, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish lying on it and bread. Make that pretty neat. Like God, he wasn't, uh, Jesus, he wasn't just standing there watching saying, look at them guys, they ain't caught a fish. All right, boy, throw it on the other side, kid. He wasn't just standing there waiting. He had everything prepared for them that they need so that when they got there, they would be, their needs would be met. He wasn't just sitting there saying, all right, boys, come on over here. Give me a hug. He was providing for their needs. Not just their spiritual needs, but their physical needs. They get there and he's got the fish there for them. He's got the bread there for them. I wonder if he did that to remind them about the fish and bread when he fed all those thousands of people. Maybe so. Maybe he just wanted fish and bread for breakfast. But the disciples get there and there was the fish, and there was the bread, and it was prepared for them. And there were the disciples, those who were faithful to follow and stand alongside Jesus. And there he was, standing there on the shore. And they were happy to see him. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus told them. So Simon Peter got up and hauled the net ashore full of large fish. It wasn't just no rinky-dink fish. It wasn't just a couple of little little. You know, this one there and this one there, but it says 153 large fish. Again, time and time again, we see in God's Word where when the Lord provides, He don't, he don't mess around. He does it serious. He gave them some fishermen's fish. That's probably, I bet you that net was full of 153 of the prettiest fish that there's ever been in the world because Jesus had a hand in it. And Jesus takes everything and He makes it better. It don't matter if it's a net full of fish or if it's a sinner like you and me. He takes things and he makes them better. He makes them as good as they can be. He doesn't just make them a little better. He takes something that's bad and he makes it great. And that's what he does for you and I. He takes us nasty old sinners and by his blood he makes us as white as snow. Same Jesus that did all these miracles. Same Jesus that told these cats to catch some fish. Same Jesus is the same Jesus that can take you from where you are and He can make you whole. He can take you from being a sinner and He can make you be forgiven. He can cleanse you.
Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Now that's a, that's a small detail. And maybe I'm reading a little bit, a little bit too much into it. But, but John makes a special, special point here to say, look, they caught all these fish, but the net was not torn. And that's one difference between the story here that we see and the similar account that we see in Luke chapter 5 where he told them to catch the fish. In that instance, they caught so many fish that the net was torn that they couldn't haul them in. But here, post-resurrection, they caught all those fish and the net was not torn. Maybe Jesus was giving them a little heads up to say, look, before there was sin, everything was still there. Before I died on the cross, that sin was still there. That sin was still in control. This world was still torn. Things weren't the way they should be. But now that Jesus had resurrected, now that Jesus has conquered death and conquered sin, He has mended what was once torn. He has put together and made whole everything that once was broken apart. And maybe this is just a little clue in the text of Jesus saying, look, now that I have been resurrected, everything has been whole and I can keep things together anymore. I can keep things together so sin will not tear things apart. Maybe that was just a little clue that God was giving us in His Word. Come and have breakfast, Jesus told them. None of his disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. <clears throat> Can you imagine? Like, that's, kind of a, that's kind of like an exciting and awkward and weird situation. Like you know it's Jesus, but like you're kind of too afraid to say anything, but you're just glad he's there, so you're just kind of sitting there, you're eating your fish, and you're, just, you're eating your bread, and just being happy, just knowing that the Lord's there. And not a lot even has to be said. Just the fact that the Lord was there was enough. You know, sometimes we need to realize that too. Be still and know that, that God is with us. Sometimes we just need to be still. Maybe not that we need to say anything. God knows everything. God knows our hearts. Sometimes we just need to be still before the Lord. Sometimes as brothers and sisters in Christ, when we come together, we just need to be still with each other. Maybe we have a brother and sister in Christ or a family member or a friend and they've lost a loved one, they've gone through a tragedy and you know, we're rack, racking our brain trying to figure out what words we should say. And sometimes God may give us the words of comfort. But sometimes it's just being there. Sometimes the best thing we can do is just be there with somebody. Just be there for somebody. Just to let them know that they are not alone makes all the difference. I think that's what Jesus was doing here. I think Jesus was just reminding the disciples in this simple way, just letting them know, hey, I'm still with you. I still got this. I'm still taking care of you. I'm still on the throne, and I'm still in control. I think Jesus was just reminding them of the calling that he had given them. When he first called them, he said, look, you guys are not going to be catching fish anymore. You're going to be catching men now. You're going to be fishers of men. And I think Jesus, after all that they had gone through, after all the struggles and all the stress, Jesus was reminding them that I have called you to something better. And Jesus has called us to something better. You may be going back into some old ways and some old things, and maybe today the Lord's trying to tell you that I want better for you. I've called you to more than to live in sin and live in your old ways. I'm giving you something better. Maybe Jesus is trying to do the same thing for you today that he was trying to do for the disciples a couple thousand years ago. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. 
See, I think this was, a, this was an important text. I think this was a super critical text for the disciples because they had gone back to their old ways. They had gone back to fishing and now Jesus appeared. And right after this, go back and, and read it when you get a chance. Right after this, we see that Jesus restores Peter. Peter, who was feeling ashamed and guilty because of his denial of Jesus, we see that Jesus says, look, do you love me three times? And Peter says, Lord, I do. And Jesus says, go out and do the work I'm calling you to do. That's a paraphrase. Jesus tells Peter to go out and do what I called you to do. And we don't see a lot about Peter fishing from this point on in the Scripture, but I tell you what we do see a lot of Peter, and that is preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus appeared to him, and Jesus came to him, and he knew Jesus was not through with him. He knew Jesus still wanted him and still wanted to use him. And you may be a Christian in here today, and you may be struggling, and you may feel like Jesus is through with me. But Jesus is still right there with you if you're His. Jesus still wants to use you. Jesus wants to use you to do His work and what He calls. Not what you want to do. Jesus wants to use you for what He wants you to do. And it may be tough, but maybe today the Lord's reminding you of something that God's called you to. And He's saying, look, I'm right here with you. I'm here to take care of you. I'm here to provide for you. But I want you to do what I call you to do. Maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus. Maybe you've never accepted that miracle that Jesus is. Maybe, maybe you're still in the sea of sin and you're standing in the boat and Jesus is on the shore and you're just like the disciples were and you don't realize who Jesus is and what He's done. But today you felt the Holy Spirit speaking to you and saying, He is the Lord. And maybe today you get it for the first time and you realize that Jesus is there and He is calling out to you to do something miraculous in your life, to take your bad situations where you ain't catching nothing and He's telling you to throw your net on the other side of the spiritual boat and He's saying, I want to fill you up. I want to give you all you need with the best of the best. I want to make you better than what you are. I want to take you from being a sinner and I want to make you a saint. And Jesus is calling out to you and today the Holy Spirit is revealing and you have to make that plunge. You have to be like Peter and say, Lord Jesus, Jesus, I'm coming to you. I see what you've done. I see the miracle that you are. And I want to come to you so that I can be cleansed. And maybe today you need to jump out the boat and you need to go to Jesus and say, Come, Lord Jesus, forgive me. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this good text today. And I pray that you'd be with us who are Christians, God. Maybe some of us are like those disciples and we, we've gotten kind of off track, but you're calling to us to get back on track. So God, I pray that if there are those who are in you already, God, that we would come to you today. God, I pray that if there are those who aren't, maybe today they, they realize their sinfulness is all around them, but dear Lord Jesus, today they realize that you are the Savior. God, I pray that if there are any in this room, that today that you would call them to you, that they would say that prayer, that they would say, Lord Jesus, forgive me, and be my Savior, come into my heart, cleanse me of my sins. God, I pray that they would just repent of their sinfulness and come to you. In Jesus' name I ask these things. Amen.